Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their inceptions to their current pop culture incarnations. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and today I'm joined by Leonard. Leonard, how's it going? It's going, Dave. It's a gloomy Saturday here in lovely Southern California. Uh, My cat is screaming and running around the house. But uh, other than that, it's fine. I guess it's the perfect weather for today's subject matter. But before we get into that, I must ask you, how are you doing today? Uh, that's not not too bad. Um, another another end to the another wonderful week. So it's glad to be here. It's always nice to to kind of wake up in the morning and shake off the remains of the week and, and get the weekend started off with something fun. Uh, Cameron will not be joining us this week, so he'll be back in two weeks. Um, some He's resting. Some stuff came up, so he'll, he'll be back when he gets back to it. Yes. Okay, well, so what are we? We are back to Castlevania. We're we're chugging along, kind of the third no half two thirds way through season three. So we're taking a look at episode four, five, and six. Yes. And, uh, and those episodes would be "I Have a Scheme," "A Seat of Civilization and Refinement," and "The Good Dream." Yeah, it puts us in good stead. We will wrap up um, season three next time. We'll just tackle the last four uh, and kind of be done with that section. Uh, So these these four or these three episodes, um, less so than the last three. I mean, there really wasn't much action in the last three either. But there's definitely like zero. There's zero action happening here. It, it's a lot of talking points, um, characters just kind of putting out on the table why they're doing what they're doing, at least mm-hmm. with them. Uh, and we get uh, surprisingly, it's surprisingly light on um, Hector and Isaac, and Alucard gets. Through 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we're introduced, um, back to what Alucard is, is, uh, doing since he's volunteered to teach Taka and Sumi, uh, further skills, uh, enhance their, uh, vampire hunting repertoire. And we get more backstory on Taka and Sumi. In their um, forced confinement in the court of Cho, uh, in back yes. in Japan, uh, Cho we, we talked about was killed um, during the the raid on Dracula's castle. So this gives us a nice look into a few moments in time, I guess, in in Cho's court and. Another example of how past skills, like, they can still exist, but overconfidence, like, 
and boredom, maybe boredom more so than anything else, complacency on the part of, of these ancient vampires um, led to their, or at least chose particular downfall. But she, she seemed ridiculously competent in hand-to-hand combat, and that just gets like shortchanged uh, when Saifa takes her out in like one, one quick move. Yeah. I, I believe uh, they referred to themselves as her human honor guard, um, which... Yeah, they're like retainers, uh, I guess. Yeah, because she does have vampiric, like, actual guards. But, yeah, they're her retainers. Uh, we are given a flashback where uh, it is demonstrated that Cho just occasionally liked to let a warrior into her court so she could eviscerate them in front of her, in front of her, uh, her, her retainers. Uh, and apparently that was like a daily occurrence. Um, however, uh, the moment that she left, uh, Sumi and Taka took out her entire guard force and fled uh, but knowing that she would eventually return oh ho how little you knew you sweet summer children um, that they went off to find and confront her themselves yes only to have that that moment of revenge and glory stolen and they probably would have died anyway yeah, <laughs> but the whole point of them learn like they've been informed that she's dead, mm-hmm. but they they're looking to gain vaster knowledge and more weapons and armor um, because there's a vacuum in the court back in Japan. It's going to be filled by another vampire, so they need they're, they're searching for the means to be able to address that problem and also take these. Uh, learnings back to Japan because uh, the current era Japan isn't equipped to take care of night creatures and other monsters that just aren't good at it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not really explained, but they're they're saying that with this extra knowledge, they could better prepare the people to um, fight back against other vampires and, and other beasties. Right. And Alucard is just happy to have some friends. And we get another kind of silly moment. They're, they're making fun of his little dolls that he has of uh, Trevor and Sifa. And he's they're asking, like, they've seen the state of uh, the castle. And we remarked upon this that Alucard probably could have done some kind of cleaning up. Um, but, you yep. know, when you're depressed, it's, that's the least of your concerns. So uh, he's like, years. Or maybe it was a couple months. <laughs> right. It's uh it's kinda cute. He's he's a he's basically a barely out of his teens. Right. He just has yeah. a larger body um than his than his mentality um is always like caught up to. Mm-hmm. He like he's smart and educated, but um his his moods might as well just be in the same boat as Trevor. Yes. Yeah, they're all they're they're both kind of emotionally stunted 
individuals considering that Trevor's trauma was from his childhood and Alucard is a dampier. Uh, so he it looks older than he is. Uh, I like that they're looking at the Trevor uh, and Sylphie doll and he just says, don't look at those. Don't, 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 don't look at those. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's all we get. Um, that's been like two moments in four episodes so far. Yep. And we so, get a, we get some training with them a little later on where the really the only thing to come out of it is Alucard in, imparting on them. Hey, don't get close to a vampire because vampires want you to get close because vampires will bite out your throat if you're close enough. Um, yeah, and they're also kind of doing a weird, like, rolling in the fields in summer, and it's it's a little strange. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a little light for what they're that they claim that they they want. Uh, the, you know, if if training to uh, secure uh, a a method of defense. Uh, for this power vacuum uh, back in Japan is their main focus, then it really seems like a, uh, a cartoonish waste of time to be like, ha ha ha, it's so fun and bright and airy here. It's, uh, it reminds, <clears throat> it reminded me a little of the uh, Anakin Padme uh, field scene from yeah. the second prequel. <laughs> I mean, they might... Uh... This, the, the feeling they're giving off uh, and Alucard as well is like they, they're having a serious fight and then, oh, wait, we're going to make little daisy chain um, headdresses for one another. That's... Yes. It's... They're romping in the field. Yes. They they may and actually have been frolicking and it's, it's disturbing. Yes. Uh, and that's Alucard for these three episodes. Yeah, that was it. That's, that's all... That's all we got. That's... Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, it bounces. Um, yeah, there's no more of him, so we'll just go, I guess, and wrap up what Hector's up to. Or not yes. up to anything, really. He's just chilling, and Lenore is doing diplomacy. She is. She's doing diplomacy. Uh, she's. After um, she. Uh, beat the ever-living crap out of him uh, last time because he threatened to murder her. Uh, she has returned as bright and airy as as always, which is uh, sign number one that this person shouldn't be trusted. Um, I, I also couldn't help but, like, realize that she... Lenore is clearly a vampire, and we know how vampires look in the Castlevania series. They they look like vampires. They are incredibly pale. They are, you know, well, you know, depending on one's complexion, they tend to be incredibly pale. But Lenore is clearly wearing, and I don't think it's anything that's ever addressed, but she's clearly wearing makeup, and more importantly, she's, like, wearing blush. She she likes giving off the appearance of looking like an actual human being, 
uh, like a living human being, even though it, she is clearly and unabashedly a vampire. And as the diplomat, that makes sense because she's trying to establish a rapport with whoever she's dealing with. And there's nothing more off-putting than looking like you're <laughs> talking to a walking corpse. I just thought that that was a, a an interesting character design decision for her that I don't think we had really addressed uh, until now. Uh, yeah, and it also makes her a little bit more disarming, just that mm-hmm. rosy, blushed cheeks of youth, which I, I wasn't sure on which side to put it of, is it makeup? Or is she just feeding all the time, which gives her, like, a rosy tinge until the blood fades? Mm-hmm. Because that's something that happens in other lore. I haven't really seen that in Castlevania, so I had to go with it's probably makeup. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Because just, just, just going by the other members of, of Camilla's court, uh, like, she is the most alive looking of them yeah when she's but yeah generally like serious but peppy yeah um so she comes back she asks hector what he wants he says he would like some shoes uh, and then she uh uh tactically uh uh, uh destroys uh, his opinion of Dracula by pointing out that Dracula lied to him, that Dracula said that he was only going to do a call, not an extermination. Uh, Lenore, uh, Lenora? Lenore? I Lenore. Forget. Lenore uh, asks Hector what he wanted, uh, and Hector is like, I, well, I didn't really want anything, I just assumed, and she's like, man, you're really bad at this business thing. I actually really like this conversation, because she, it's about commerce. Uh, she's like, listen, uh, this is the way that stuff works. Like, you do a job for us, and we'll pay you, we'll give you something. I'm not gonna lie to you, not like Dracula did, you know, the insane vampire who wanted to kill everybody. Uh, so, you know, think about what you want, and uh, we'll try to make that happen for you as long as you do the thing that we're paying you to do. And as somebody that's tried to start their own business, I'm like, ah, this vampire makes sense. I'm like, you don't have to worry about trust when you're doing business because there are contracts and blah, 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 blah. And it was kind of a weirdly delightful um, conversation that they had. But yeah. She just uses logic to point out, like, how childish Hector's worldview was, considering what Dracula was actually trying to accomplish. Yeah, and he, he's, the the points that he's like, he's not really countering anything she's saying, but the things that he's repeating or like addressing back to her and you watch him like think about it because he just like didn't think about it the first time around. Mm -hmm. And it's that you just kind of see wheels maybe like starting to 
engage in turn a little bit. Uh, right. And he, and he's not, the thing is, he's not stupid. He's just weirdly naive. Yes. Because he, he knows what she's doing, but the thing is, it, it starts to make enough sense that he's not really questioning it as much. Mm-hmm. And and what is, what's the alternative? Like, they're just right. going to stop him? I mean, he's not in a really a, a bargaining position other than he has the skills that they need uh, to make things and that he's in control of whatever he creates. So that's something they have to, like, work around in the first place. But uh, he's not... They're going to be using him, and he knows it, just like Dracula was using him. Yes. Uh, but he doesn't have a good, like, other bargaining chip yet. Like, there's not right. something that he can do, or that they, really, that, that he wants that's equal to the thing that they want from him, is the problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just wanted a house, like, and my dog. Like, his needs are not um, complex. Yeah. But but because they're not complex, he doesn't have something of equal value to, like, get from them. Exactly. And they're not really all that concerned about it anyway. They just need him to do a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hector's, Hector's a weird one. Uh, just, like you said, just because he's so bafflingly naive considering the work that he was doing um because he he, it's like he willful like there's there's also like an an aspect of willful ignorance like as long as i don't learn the truth then it's not an actual possibility well and so the thing that concerned me from the get-go with him was that he's not uh he's all for culling humanity and mm-hmm. and just putting them in pens and treating them as pets uh but he's not confronting the the very real issue of like where are all the bodies coming from that he's turning into night creatures mm-hmm. like that those are they're, they're dead bodies all of them and it's hundreds of them and it's going to happen again like that they don't come from nothing oh it, it's just part of the call it's just the it's just the it's, yeah, the unfortunate of, yes consequence yeah yeah it's the collateral damage from the call that that was once again i like i said because because if you if you think about it a little more than not at all then it's like this doesn't seem like we're doing the thing that I was told, so it's better to just not think about it at all. I'm just here um, to swing my little hammer. Right. Uh, and I think I think that, like, he, he, so there's there's been this theme, especially with uh, Camilla uh, and her court, where Hector is basically treated like a pet. Which is ironic since the uh, he, he loves pets <laughs> and animals so much, uh, and that is that feels like very like a pet like mentality of like yeah I'll just do the thing because I'll just do the thing because 
my master told me to do it. And if I think it like, once again, if I think about it, then it's, then it becomes something sinister and real. So I'm just not going to do that. Um, I like that Lenore, uh, give, what she constantly refers to him as good boy. Like that's the thing that, that, that actually bothers me about that, the, their, their forming relationship, which is they're not even pretending uh, to pretend uh, that he's not a pet to them, like a, a useful pet to them. And like, if, if I were asked, if I were Hector, the forge master and was asked, Hey, what do I want? I'd be like, please stop talking to me. Like I'm a dog. That <laughs> That'd be like first and foremost uh, on my want list, but he's just kind of okay with it. I mean, he agrees to be put on a leash to go for a walkie. Yeah, exactly. And she literally says, time for walkies or whatever. It's like, okay. Yeah. This is, it's very patronizing. And we get that they're vampires and don't see humans as anything other than, like, livestock. So right. that's that's a, an understandable, if if not disturbing, view. But that Hector's putting up with it and like welcoming it in a sense because it's it's some sense of like belonging mm-hmm. is a little much yeah on top of him already like he's that's he's not he, we we've we come to understand he's not stupid he's just weird He's 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 bafflingly passive. He is a yeah. bafflingly passive character, considering what his abilities are and what he does. Well, and then it's it's so they went with these versions of Hector and Isaac um, off of uh, I think it's Curse of Darkness. I believe so, and the. West in there um, is kind of it's kind of like Dracula's role in this where Hector I believe it's Hector's wife was killed by Isaac and so now Hector's just chasing after Isaac for revenge for the whole game uh, so they've, they've kind of like just done some juggling uh with these characters to to make them isaac is not i mean um hector is not more interesting isaac is far more interesting uh, because of this like reframing of their roles uh but i don't see growth happening for hector <laughs> it's like he's just he's he's one step forward like five steps backwards yeah like, the stuff he's getting put into doesn't even, like... Lenore isn't making it sound like a better deal. It just sounds like, here's the deal Dracula said he was offering you. We're actually going to be doing that. So, um, what do you want? Here's some shoes. Right. 
Like you can't even you can't even claim to have any kind of moral objection to what we're doing because you were totally cool when it was Dracula who lied to you, by the way. But we're telling you the truth and we will give you payment in return for your service as opposed to you just assuming that you'll get something out of it at the end. And not be killed. Right. And it's like we we need your services for longer, so your your life time guarantees uh it's not set in stone, but it's a little longer than just once everything's done, you're done because we're gonna always need border patrol. Yep. Yeah, because it's an eight hundred mile wide area that they're looking to to enslave. Yeah. And so it it shifts a little bit from uh, Lenore and Hector's uh, perspective to Carmilla and... Striga? Yes. Striga. Her, the, the, the large war chieftain. Yes. Uh, and they're... Uh, so the vampires... It's nice because the vampires all have specific... Like, you don't always just get across-the-board vampire powers. Like mm. they're, they're kind of just maybe it's things they learned or depends on who turned like lineages mm. I, it doesn't explain it but some vampires can do they can turn into mist but not all of them can some can turn into a bunch of bats um, mm. and Stiga can just hear really well mm-hmm. so she's like listening in on Hector and Lenore uh, and relaying that to Carmilla who can't she can see them but she can't hear mm-hmm. them at like at distance right um, like her powers walking through shadows so that that's interesting and i like that it gives each of them uh not only are they getting very specific character designs but their characters themselves have different physical traits mm-hmm. uh, as well as their personalities so that's that's fun to see and see that they're actually using those things. Um, it feels like some of this is just a one-off, like just for this situation, they can do this thing. And that's just an established character trait. Uh, it's right. probably not going to pop up again, but we know that at least that that's something they can do. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, they're just it's... talking about the plans and that um, hoping that uh, Lenore's, subversion of um, Hector's, like, working. Yes. And it is. Even though everybody watching is like, really? This is working? But it does. Because Hector's a a simple lad. (laughs) He is. uh, Oh, we also do get a a fun scene um, between Stiga and Morana, that is yes. her name. Uh, where you, we do find out that they are lovers, um, and that they're they're taking the time to like enjoy some quiet moments together, while also not plotting, but going through uh, Carmilla's plan, seeing mm-hmm. if it's even like feasible. Yeah, uh, because that that's that's a very real thing. Um, Carmilla just kind of comes up with something 
off the cuff and they just have to try to make it work. Um, but it still needs to be doable. Uh, and they realize that it, yes, it is in theory doable. Uh, but here's like the baseline things they need to, to have before they can even try to do it. And one of them, of course, is need a giant, um, army. Uh, and that has to be provided, of course, by uh, Hector. Right. So that bit needs to go off kind of without a hitch. And then they have to figure out what what they're doing to ensure that Hector's loyalty is to them. Yes. Uh, because, of course, anything he creates is under his, like, forever command. Right. So that's... Um, that's something interesting, but also with the size of the armies he's going to be making, that particular loyalty, uh, I think that that comes into question when we when we get a little further into what Isaac's doing. Uh, so we'll 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 wrap up. That's actually we didn't wrap up anything. Um, that wraps up um, Hector's side of the tale and the. Uh, the sisters, um, their their plans, nothing else, kind of like it's divulged with that. So that takes us all the way back to Lindenfeld and um, Trevor, Saifa, and Sansermann. Yes. Uh, who has been uh, allowed into the Priory? Uh, hey, it's real bad in there. Um, <coughs> you like uh, the, the poop corner? Um, so, so, uh, you know, this is actually like the second time that I've seen this episode. Uh, and the thing, like the poop corner was bad the first time that I saw it, but the thing that got me upon rewatch was actually the footprints leading yeah. away from it. Cause that's the part where I'm just like, oh, that's actually super gross. <laughs> Like, like I was fine. Like I can deal with the poop corner. I can't deal with the now you're standing in the poop corner taking <laughs> care of business, uh, barefoot. Uh, that was the that was the part that really was like a little much. And I'm like, oh man, okay, that's bad. Um, I really like. I really like. Is it Sala? Is it Sala? Uh, is the yeah the the prior. Uh, I love I love when Saint Germain uh, uh, arrives and he and Saul is just like I really wish you'd stop talking to me like I was insane. And I'm like, I I I think that's really funny because you are you are clearly insane. But I I, I mean like that it's you're... that it's that very lucid, yes, insanity. Like, because he, like he's in, he has his faculties. He's just like the thing he's chosen to invest his will into is something insane. Yep. Like, uh, like I'm not, I'm not some child that's going to wet himself if you stop patting my head. Is <laughs> uh, really great. Uh, of course, uh, the giant uh, crucifix of Jesus is uh not only upside down <laughs> and I like his I like uh, Sala's uh, uh reasoning for that which is yeah it just got knocked that way uh when our visitor arrived and you know considering that we don't really care about this anymore um we've just not bothered to fix it 
Uh, I also like he might be pointing the right way now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And of course, and of course, uh, Jesus's face is just clawed off, um, which was something that I think I missed the first time as well. And uh, St. Germain is like, and Saul is like, here's here's part of the library. And it's just a pile of books, uh, which I'm sure hurt you on on a level. On a deep level. It could have at least been stacks of books. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Saul's like, yep, start here. um, And don't go anywhere else. And St. Germain's like, yo, you know those armbands you you wear? You know what that means? That symbol means? And he's like, "Uh, nope, the visitor just gave it to us. He's like, it's uh, the alchemical symbol for sulfur. Uh, and also hell and saint germain's like this is a divine this is a wonderful revelation that you've given us it's a good thing that we let you in <laughs> we let our uh sala is like this this uh it's a good thing that we let you in here thank you so much and i'm like yep lucid and crazy which is actually the most dangerous kind of crazy oh yeah yeah cuz he he knows what's going on and is like okay with it yep uh so saint germain starts his work uh meanwhile trevor and sypha are uh are snooping <laughs> are outside. doing the worst like scooby-doo snooping yeah like they, they, they're they're doing the like the little creep walk that you do when you're sneaking and they do it right <laughs> past the window it's it's a lot it was um, I, I actually really like the tra- I like the the this kind of character story transition between the two of them because you see their shadows passing from the window in Saint Germain and then it just hard cuts to outside to them and now it's time for their part of the plot. It's a it's a really good, uh, nice uh, visual method of just cutting from this story from Saint Germain's story beats to theirs. And surprise, surprise, they're accosted by monks that one of them that just looks like a brigand, like a bandit. Yeah. I mean, all none of these monks look, they all look pretty hard up. Yeah. Battle scarred and just like, yeah, robes, the rogues gallery of monks. Uh, but yeah, they're just like, hey, we're just looking around and the monks are like, get out. She's like, oh, but we just want to know what's going on because your priory is so lovely. And they're once again, just like, get out. She's like, all right, <laughs> but uh, it's super weird that you've got uh, <laughs> knives hidden under your robes. And yeah, and they're, they're like, how did you know? yeah it's it's a weird conversation it's it's enough to like put them on their guard but she wants that to happen right because if they just if they're just doing willy-nilly whatever their plans are um without having like a sense of uh, wariness then they're Mm -hmm. just gonna do it faster right 
or as if they're on, on their guard, uh, that slows them down. Right. They have to be more careful about about their their grand work. In theory. Yes. Um <laughs> the judge uh the judge is like, listen, if I thought that that walking up to the front door would work, I would have done it myself. Um man, uh I really like I I, I already know like I I really like the judge character, even though I can tell that he's like obviously like he's obviously evil and has like some dirty stuff going on with him. But I I I and it it really bums me out because I kind of wish that this character was just kind of a smarmy, very tough, like hard ass, but wasn't obviously villainous um because i think that's an actually interesting character trait of like this guy's kind of a jerk and way too strict but he's legitimately a good person is far more interesting than jerk strict and also evil um so i'm waiting for that shoe to drop because uh, it's it's so obvious but i he's he's so like no like no nonsense but still affable when he's dealing with Trevor and Sypha that i like he's really endearing and i i'm i'm not looking forward to whatever revelation comes for him yeah the the long um conversation he has with Trevor uh because Trevor's kind of like questioning himself mm-hmm. and he's upset with how things are going, but he's always upset. So he, he understands that and is just like trying to deal or come to grips with the direction his life is now kind of being shaped to go do. Yeah. Because he's otherwise just been itinerant and wandering around doing odd jobs. And now he's doing that, but there's a little more direction than he's used to or maybe comfortable mm-hmm. with. Um, and then his whirlwind partnership romance, you know, whatever he has with um, Saifa is something that he's also trying to unpack, but doesn't, I think, have the vocabulary personally to like, make a whole lot of sense of it Mm -hmm. like he knows what's happening but he can do nothing to stop it and he's 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 admitted that specifically to her and it's just gonna be what it's gonna be He, he can't he doesn't have the control over that that he might want but at the same time it's like it's not a bad relationship right yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he's he's just shooting the breeze with his reflection upset at a, at himself and other things. And it's I think it that's the that's the issue is it's all the other crap going on never gave him space to think because he's just living day to day doing a job, hoping for the next beer, you know, it's not it's not a uh um, a future forward outlook. 
Right. It was uh, by by necessity, like living in the present. So now that there's some sort of prospect um, on the horizon and some sort of goal that he's working toward, uh, that puts him in a position where he has the time and the luxury um, to be self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he likes that. So he's, he certainly he's, does not care for <laughs> he that. Does not, no, he doesn't. Um, and that that puts him in this this moment where he he meets with the judge, and uh, by the judge's reflecting pool, uh, and they they have a heart to heart and some backstory on kind of both of them, but more more so on the judge who thinks mm-hmm. you know gone from a big city or from this town to a big city back to the town uh mm-hmm. and that that like history is a good one like that's a good yes character mm-hmm. so seeing it you know be something else is like yeah that is disappointing yeah um and as they make their way back into town they discover that uh that somebody has carved uh inside sort of sigil into uh a wall that one of the uh one of the oh jeez it's a gate yeah yes there we go the gate wow i wow just that word just left my brain it yes is. but <laughs> uh uh and uh and uh the judge is like uh kids uh trevor's like hey did did you sure it's not a kid with their first knife he's like <laughs> no <laughs> no, it, it, it's it wasn't, and this wasn't here yesterday. Uh, children don't run in my town. Uh, um, and yeah, I guess to go back to Sypha, uh, she then accosts Saint Germain, uh, trying to trying to get some information out of out of her he's real insulting to her as a speaker uh which is is pretty on brand for him since he he's like this very smug superior personality uh she rightfully calls him out on being a magician uh publicly which is something that he is not fond of and wants her to keep her voice down uh, and they encounter another, the same uh, sigil carved on a uh, house. Uh, and then Trevor joins them, notes that this is the second time that he's seen it, and suggests that they go to the tavern to have a little talk. Uh, where St. Germain <laughs> tries to dramatically unveil the, the c- central plot point of the season, which is the infinite, uh, the infinite corridor. And ask uh, both Trevor and Saifa if they've uh, heard of it. And they're like, yes, of course we have. I'm a speaker. <laughs> and and this is a Belmont. So yes, we have heard of the Inf- Infinite Corridor. <laughs> and Dave, I, I like is- that it's something that they talked. They It came up somewhere in conversation where they both talked about it together. And then realized that their interpretations of the Infinite Corridor were like not in specific alignment so the infinite corridor is a corridor through time and space a dimensional 
walkway um, that leads to many different uh, realms, realities, or all of the levels of hell, uh, because those could also be um, extant um, in other dimensions. So that's that's what it is. Saint-Germain, um, he's searching for it because he lost his partner, his lover, um, in the doorway, in, in the, the corridor years ago, and they could still be in there, and so he's been searching um, for another uh, entry point. Yes. Because you can't... Um, you can make an entry point, and they can mm-hmm. and they can just also exist, but you need to... They're invisible. You have to have specific equipment or things to uncover them. Uh, or if you're making one, the... The things it requires uh, aren't something you can just, like, cobble together in a couple days. Right. Uh, And yes, they come to the conclusion that, hey, it's super weird that that uh, night creature broke into the Priory uh, and did something weird to the monks, and that there's a doorway to the Infinite Corridor under (laughs) the Priory. Uh, yes, according to the like the lithomancy, magic the stone that he has. Yes, um, and so yes, that is the new wrinkle. Hey, it seems like this night beast, and or it seems like it's possible that the night beast is still down there and wants to open a portal to hell. There we go. There's 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 the element for for this season, and it only took us five episodes to get there. Yeah, and well, the episode six doesn't wrap up anything. Nope. Uh, it gives us more information on Infinite Quarter because we get unfortunate PTSD Saint Germain just having nightmares incessantly um, when he goes to sleep each night um, and they're of being trapped in the infinite corridor and searching um, initially in vain for his partner, but but finding her and uh, not being able to retrieve her, but only getting his hands on the, um, the stone that would show the way to the infinite corridor. Right. And I guess the last bit of business is... Uh, Isaac and what he's been up to. Uh, he he departs from the the captain's ship uh, on the shore of the place where I forgot, but he's there now. Uh, <laughs> like Genoa, yeah, Genoa. Um, and yeah. the guards are are being guards again, and he's like, "Hey, I just wanna, I just wanna pass through." And they're like, "We're not gonna let you and your monsters into." into our our sovereign territory and he's like I, I just I just I'm just trying to get north just just let me go it's like no we'll drive you into the sea and it's like why why like every single time every single time I had like a good experience with a human being it is immediately dashed by other human beings that are irrational and he's just like you know what I, I don't care like when people ask me why I partnered with Jack Dracula to destroy the human race, it's because you are all so fucking rude. And then 
<laughs> begins uh, a slaughter slash recruitment. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he can, I, he converts like every one of the guards. Yeah, uh, like and I don't know. I don't know if his proficiency has just uh, he's he's leveled up his proficiency, but he can just literally just stab a person and turn them into a night creature. Uh, now, Where, yeah. Before, before. It felt, he he had to do like ritual. Yeah, like steps had to be taken, and then he could do it. And then he's just poking them. Uh, yep. So what that brought up to me though is like, what's the what's the cost <laughs> for for doing these spell? Like, oh, there's yeah. there's no cost. Like he's just willy nilly activating and, and pulling things from hell to possess corpses. Yep. It's like with no, with, there's no cooldown. There's no like <laughs> make him tired. I mean, there's no downside. You could just go stab a whole town and okay, now I got uh, 2000 night creatures. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, there seems to be zero downside to, to the transmutation soul transfer from a hell beast into a human corpse. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, you know, he does, he's lamenting, of course. He's like, I keep doing the same thing. He's like, isn't that the definition of insanity? I just do the same thing, expecting a different result, and it's not yeah. happening. Um, that being the case, uh, e even though he's now just willingly transfiguring or transmogrifying people, um, he did come away from his time with the captain with uh, not a new view, but it's like rekindled um, faith in, yes. in, in, in a certain aspect. Like he's realized that, oh, I, you know, I did let myself slip from my um, devotions and prayers. And I, I think I'll, maybe I'll start that back up again is what that sounded like he was coming to he's like trying to recenter and find himself again because that's that's what this is this enforced journey um is a journey of reflection uh unlike what hector should be doing um isaac's actually doing that yeah so isaac having taken this time at least so far, to do, like, serious self-reflection and looking at what his goals are and what they may be further than his sating his revenge against um, Hector mm -hmm. uh, is, is very important. And we get a little bit more of that and not, not more on his part of him, like, doing something about it, but he takes the time to sit down at camp and there's some of the night creatures are more vocal than others or have some capacity to still talk. <laughs> and he calls one such uh, night creature out. This is um, fly eyes. Fly eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we get a, a fairly long, um, fragmented backstory of fly eyes and a meditation on 
what sin is and what people <laughs> are uh and what constitutes uh being sent to hell potentially mm-hmm. is and it's 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 all very interesting it does a lot of world building in a short span of time like this yes what a two minute conversation maybe it's very short uh so it boils down to that uh um, fly eyes was a uh philosopher Mm-hmm. In Athens. In Athens, yes. So an Athenian philosopher. He's been dead some some little while. Uh, <laughs> and he was eventually killed because his philosophy um, was determined to be a sin because he's questioning, or not really questioning, but like discussing the nature of God. Mm. Yes. Uh, because Christianity suddenly became a thing. Um and they uh the the pagan religions had to like look at it accordingly. Uh right. And so Isaac is going like, Well, you were a philosopher and you questioned the nature of God. Like like none of that is seems to me to be like a sin, so how did you get sent to hell? Mm-hmm. And uh, Fly Eyes is like, well, I, I, he simply, I became a sinner. I gave up like a bunch of other people's names and did everything I could to save my own life. Uh, and I lied and I did this all in a church to the the, the magistrate. Uh, yep. So there you go. And, um, I that that made me the worst. Um, that you could be because I just, I just lumped all these bad things into like the last few minutes of my life. Yes. Uh, because so, they killed me anyway. They yeah. promised me that I would live. I gave up names and they lied and killed me anyway. And I woke up in hell. And then it was there that I learned, you know, what, what sinning is. And now I'm, I'm back here. And I'm more powerful than I ever was before. I can do kind of whatever I want. Uh, and it's this place is also just full of sinners. Yes. And insane. Like, the earth is insane. The earth and people are insane. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a really fantastic like uh, i i actually like all of the 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 slow conversations um um in in all three of these episodes because they they are interesting and they do provide like there's no action per se but there is interesting character development be- with with all of these these conversations and i really appreciate them but yeah this one is the is the standout because it's just it's it's very intense yes and it just doesn't and it doesn't make you feel good like whenever whenever you kind of have to hold up that mirror to humanity and reflect it back on itself you're like uh yeah 
Yeah, this this sucks. <laughs> and I think for Isaac, this is this is another like with the captain, another pivotal moment because he understands at this. He comes to understand at this point, which is really weird because you think he would have talked to some of the other night creatures in the years he's been doing this, um, but maybe had to wait to find one that was vocal. Um, getting to understand that they they aren't um mindless servants which mm-hmm. i don't think he ever thought that they were but i it feels like he was just taking their presence for granted right like they're just here i tell them to do a thing and they do it okay you know that they're my army um whereas he when he took the time to talk to the captain on his belief that he's doing the work of God by uh, f- freeing the 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 punished and uh, the hum- humanity that's been jammed into hell. They've done mm-hmm. their penance. They've done their suffering, and now I'm freeing them to put them uh, back on earth where they where they belong. Right kind of that's how he was spinning it in his head Mm -hmm. but i think this him taking the time to talk to uh, fly eyes and then get at least from one of them what their perspective is and that being something that's like you you're well i mean they've been ripping people apart for one thing Yes, because right. you told them to. Um, but also because I think they were going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just angry. Yes. And crazy. Yes. Any excuse. Yeah. Uh, but I do have to listen to you because you are Forge Master. Uh, but if I had my own personal agency, I would be rampaging all over the place all the time. Like, anyway. Like, you're... you're the thing that you're doing is the same goal that we have it anyway. So even if we didn't have to listen to you, like we're just still be doing it. So what's right. the problem? Like, let us go rampage. Good sir, lead the way. Uh, and I think that that's something Isaac didn't really think about. Mm-hmm. Because you can see that he's just not... He's listening, like, almost aghast to what Fly Eyes is telling him. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, that's, like, way worse than I thought, even though I know it's hell, and I know you were suffering for a long time, probably. Everyone's, now everyone's just crazy. Great. Uh, because yeah, he's he's pulling stuff from hell, but he's not interacting with it in like a one to one conversational way, mm-hmm. uh, or seeing like he's not going to hell. He doesn't see what it's like there. He's just making doorways, right? Yeah, he's just transplanting souls into into physical vessels. Yeah. And, and you know when he was when he was uh, Dracula's forge master, there was there was an expectation that the night creatures could become injured 
Um, I still remember that scout, uh, that he, 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 like, he's respectful of, of that dead scout when it returns to the castle, um, and sorry that it, uh, it, it passed, but, uh, appreciates its loyalty to him, but it, it, it's just, once again, it's just a tool, it's not a, a person. Yeah, he hasn't engaged with them that way. Uh, I think that that would that should change his relationship with the night creatures uh, because he has to understand that they are individuals, mm-hmm. like with their own probably similar goals, but they're the things that they want and have gone through are kind of all the same, right? And I think. Furthering that, his his concept of what he's doing. So when he's killing people, um, it he's probably like the people that are attacking him generally are not great people by mm-hmm. and large, or they're just following orders, which that doesn't make you a great person either. But it's probably just just based on how easy it is to get sent to hell in this universe. Um, they're probably just getting sent to hell. Right. Probably. So, in his view, I would say that uh, each person he kills, he's he knows they're not, like, he's just killing a physical body and he knows the soul's going. So, he has, he has specific proof that there's life after death, your soul goes somewhere. Right. So he's just he's just liberating the souls and then using that liberation to free people from hell, which is he knows is a bad place. So his actions like are good in, in, yeah, in his right. mind, like that's what I think he thinks is happening. But mm-hmm. then the people that he's the what the part that I think he's not getting is the souls that he's freeing, the ones that are put into hell. Uh, that's the same, like, so he's killing people that he doesn't think are worth living. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just t- terrible people. Uh, but that's who he's pulling back out of hell. Right. You're, like, you're filling the world with, like, crappy, generally terrible people, uh, and now they're, like, better armed to make everything worse. Like, I don't understand yeah. how you're cleansing things to make this pure place where you can find romance. Well, unless unless the the assumption is because they are under his com- uh, under his control and have to obey him, that he will be the arbiter of, like, these decisions and... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to act outside of the things that he tells them to do. So, ultimately... You just have, like, a world full of mute statue things, because they'll eventually just run out of stuff to do. Right. And and eventually die, because they do need to feed. It is explicitly yeah. stated that they, they need to feed. Yeah, so it's not a sustainable, like, system. Uh, and the fact that um, the captain did plant the ideas of, hey, you have... You have talent, you have a, a power, you can put yourself in, you're, you're basically putting yourself in a position to rule over something, someone. Right. Uh, and 
what better way to make that worth something than to use all your knowledge and your skills to like better the people excuse me that you're ruling over what's his what's his point like make make people teach them to be better because that that can people can learn they can change you you've seen that um but at at the base point that they're at right now everyone's just kind of living for themselves so you have to your choices are yes, teach them to do something like you know, or get rid of them. I guess if you're just gonna do your thing, and we know most people are just garbage, uh, you know, but maybe we don't have to kill all of them. So it's not a, um, it's not like not a pleasant. Uh, his options are limited. Yes, like he doesn't have a large swath of things that he could be doing, given the very specific skill set that he has. It's not something that lends itself toward a peaceful existence on the whole, unless he, like, makes the conscious effort to, to do that with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Isaac is still probably my favorite character. There's There's so much more going on with him than with, like, everyone else is kind of steadily changing mm-hmm. but their 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 capacity like their potential for what they could do is limited right like, yeah like exactly trevor can be a better person but uh he's not going to be uh his potential is like yeah he's a, a good hunter of monsters and he can be a good companion and he can talk to be a little bit more sociable um but he's at the at the end of the day you get like what you see is what you get Mm -hmm. you know minus a few extra mannerisms he might learn to take a bath or something uh saifa her her journey is not as much one of like self-discovery like she's comfortable and she knows who she is and so really it's her just kind of getting the things together that she wants and then uh, eventually getting back to or forming a family right like she has specific goals and she's just having some fun along the way basically is what she's doing and then well, we know what's going on with Hector. Like, <laughs> that's his his potential is also limited. It, it doesn't have to be, but just his personality is kind of making it that way. Yeah, because he's just kind of a <clears throat> a a nothing kind of person. Like, once again, he's he's so weirdly passive. <clears throat> yeah, it, it does him no favors. Uh, it just makes right. him more of a tool than a person. Um, and, and if left to his own devices, like that, that's the best he could kind of hope for because he doesn't have, at least at this point, ambitions. So mm-hmm. he just wants to be left alone and have a couple pets and just chill in the countryside. Yep. Like that's, that's all uh, for now. You know, maybe that'll change. Uh, and then any of the... Um, the vampire sisters, they're, they're on their way to accomplishing the things that they have, the goals that they have set. You know, they want to create this empire. And that 
doesn't uh, at this point that's none of that's changing who they intrinsically are. It's just right. kind of reinforcing their characters. So you're not mm-hmm. getting really any growth on that part. Carmilla's not suddenly just going to become a nice lady. She's just, she's going to do what she's going to do. And that's that's how it's going to be. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of it. Uh, Saint Germain. We don't know enough about him at this point to say whether or not like he could change one way or the other. But we also know he's kind of like an immortal time traveler. So yeah, <laughs> uh, him changing is probably he just wants some friends. Like this whole point is he's searching for his you know companion, right? So him altering that course is probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. If, if anything, I think he's just full steam ahead don't and he tells them he's like yeah just like you guys can do what you want to do just don't get in the way of what i'm doing right yeah because i, I was afraid i was afraid we were both here for the same reason but we're not uh so like don't stop me and i won't get in your way exactly yeah that's that's these three episodes it's just kind of uh insight into these characters uh and uh once again the the introduction of the infinite corridor kind of at, at least as far as the uh Trevor uh St. Germain and uh Selfa uh plot lines go that that's what's going on with them and everything outside of that uh is is completely separate like well it's all like long long game plan stuff none of it's immediate like they're actionable but it's not like the clear and like the the upfront present issue it's stuff that they're working toward and the stuff has to happen before they get to their steps right Uh, but they're but the all of these plot that these these three plots are also uh completely independent from one another like Camilla doesn't know about the infinite corridor and doesn't care she's focused on her feeding pin and Isaac's still focused on like this journey of self-discovery while also searching for revenge uh to get revenge on Hector and then uh Trevor and pals are off doing their own thing yeah and Alucard is just in the countryside yeah Having having that having that having weird that good good uh, fun frolic, yeah. Like I, I'm super lonely because my besties left. Now it's all by myself. I'm all by myself, and no, I don't want to be that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think that that wraps up this episode. Uh, it's a little bit shorter, uh, but there wasn't as much extra in these three episodes, aside from nice fun character building moments which uh, we've been kind of focusing on so that that worked for us and we'll wrap up season three uh in two weeks so yes yep uh well we'll do our little bit of admin and then kind of see everyone on their way leonard where can folks find you on the interwebs Yes, people can find me at, uh, oh, well, on Twitter at Dr. Faust is Dead. People can also find my video essay work on YouTube by also searching Dr. Faust is Dead. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? 
Then you can find me on Twitter at Sentinot underscore plus. Uh, that'll be in the notes. And you can find this and back episodes of the podcast uh, at uh, monsterdeer.monster or on Twitter at mon underscore dmonster. It's something like that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. That is that is what it is. Okay. I I don't always know. And Cameron, uh, you can find him on Twitter at uh, night underscore Twitter. And that's night without a K. All right, folks. We will catch you next time. Uh, we will be back with some more Slatsky, I believe. I don't. I think that's that's on the docket. Uh, additionally, we we ran a poll, which was in the affirmative of us uh, covering um, sooner rather than later both uh, the taking of Deborah Logan and Relic. So yes. we will we will look at those. Uh, and there's a vampire movie on Netflix, which the name has escaped me. It just came out this week. Um, it is called Blood Red Sky, and that's about a mother vampire taking her child on an airplane ride, and the aircraft is hijacked by terrorists, and the mother must protect the child using her vampiric powers. It looks like a good fun time, and it reminds me kind of of Innocent Blood. And maybe snakes <laughs> on a plane or something. So yeah, well, that we'll probably take a look at that too. Um, maybe September. We'll see. Should come. Should be coming. Yep. But yeah, that's that's us. Uh, we will catch you next time for probably three more fun tales of existential horror. Uh, thanks to Christopher Slatsky. But uh, yep. yes. bye, folks. Goodbye.